they're going to have a, an awareness. We're going to have an awareness of each other like you've never seen before because we'll have a new body. But I believe that um, they knew it was Elijah and Moses because they got a revelation. God gave them an illumination. He quickened their minds to let them identify who this was. Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. And through the law and the prophets, it all speaks about Jesus. That's the Old Testament. It tells us that his face shone like the sun, and that they fell to the ground terrified when they heard this voice. Well, I, I'd fall to the ground terrified myself. You know, we, we, we think, well, yeah, if I've seen Jesus, I think, you know, I can handle it. When the voice of God speaks, when he did on Mount Sinai, it says that they, they cried out, we don't want to hear it anymore, when Moses was uh, getting the uh, Ten Commandments from them. Uh, they were terrified. And so when you hear the voice of the Lord speaking uh, in, the, in a glorified state, uh, you just can't stand you fall on your face. But what I'd like you to see here is very intriguing. After the father said, listen to him, and it tells us that they fell on their face to the ground, they were terrified, that Jesus came and he touched them and said, get up and don't be afraid. Jesus very easily could have said, come on, get up, let's go, we've got work to do. He could have said, uh, Rise! They would have rose. But he went around to each individual and he touched them. It's not singular, it's plural. And I find that very attractive because this is who Jesus is. He wants to touch each and every one of us. You know, I read a statistic when I shared this and that babies that were orphaned and they were put in a sanitary type of setting, hospital, but they were never touched. Most of them died. You could look online, Google this, whatever it is. That without touch, these babies died. And it's still for today, too. Touch is so important in all of our lives. Jesus knew this. We read also in, in the scripture when Jesus spoke to John some maybe 50 years later on the island of Patmos. Um, where we get the book of Revelation. It speaks about Jesus now in his glorified state. And it says, And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. Familiar? And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed, here it is, his right hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hate. Again, he, he touched John. He just didn't say, okay, John, come on, get up. But he went out of his way. This great God, this all-powerful God, wants to touch us. How important is it for us to be touched by God? It is so important. I can't live without the touch of God. I, I can't live without somehow sensing his presence in my life and him being there for me and touching me. And you know, in the true sense of the word, God touches us through many different ways, but he touches us through the body. Because you're his hands, you're his foot, you're his ear, you're his eye. And we can be Jesus for each other. We can touch each other with the love of Jesus. 
If you're listening to the Spirit of God and you're saying, Lord, why do I come to church? Well, I come to learn and be disciple, but to give, to love. And Lord, is there someone, use me, Lord, is there someone that I can maybe love by praying for them or putting an arm around them? Or I want to be Jesus to you. That's our prayer when we, when we come to church. We want to touch someone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can do that because we are His body. He's no longer limited just to one area. So, the Father said, listen to Him. So, the first thing we want to listen to about Jesus is concerning His love for us, number one. Listen to Him concerning His love towards us. We know that He touched. That was His love. He didn't have to, but He did. We also know that it tells us in Psalm 103, verses 11 through 14, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, how far is that? It's infinite. If you go east, as far as you can go, you never come to an end. If you go west, as far as you can go, it's infinite. So as far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions from us. And just as the Father has compassion on His children... So the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. And He's mindful that we are but dust. That's all we are. Dust. He's mindful. He's knowing your frame. He knows my frame. He, he, he knows the muscle Brian's frame. He knows that everyone is just a man. And in the end, we're just dust. These bodies turn into what? Dust. Some quicker than others, but, but, but it turns to dust. But he knows, he knows us. He loves us like a father has compassion on his children. Many of you are fathers. I've never been a father. Um, we tried, not that I'm giving you a, a violent story here, but it wasn't God's will. We accept that. We're fine with that. We're blessed. We're serving the Lord with the family of God, and we're happy with that. Some of you have uh, children, and you're a father, and you know you would give your right arm for that child. You, you'd give your left leg, whatever it may be, because you, you love them. You have compassion. You see a child walking, uh, you're not going to say, you need to run, or you need to go out and earn a living. You know, you're going to love that, that child. You have compassion. You know the frame. You know it's only they. And don't you think God sees you that way? I know He does. He sees, like, sometimes we see ourselves, you know, too big and we can't, um, you know, nudge up to the Lord. And somehow we think, uh, you know, He doesn't want to pay attention to me. Listen, compared to God and the greatness of Him, we are little babies. Act like a baby sometimes. Not a crybaby. But like, like a baby, you say, Lord, I, I need you. I, I, I need to be touched by you. I need a hug. And He'll say, come on, get over here. So I'm like, However He does it, He, he wants to. Show compassion towards us. And I have to remind myself, hey, I can't do this. I think many times God is waiting for me to come to the end of my strength. Amen. Come to the end of myself and say, you know what, I just can't do this, Lord. It's not a sign of, uh, of uh, weakness in terms of to be looked down upon. It's really a, a sign of strength. Uh, because we all want to do, but we all have limits. And that's where we say, God, I have my limit. Help me with that. And as the Father has compassion on His children, so He has compassion on us, no one would just dust. But notice it also said in that psalm that He removed our sins. And if nothing else ever occurred in my life, I know this, that my sins are forgiven. Amen. Totally. 
He'll never bring them up again. I'm not going to stand before him and be judged for my sins. You know, in the, in the court of law, it's called double jeopardy. If someone paid, if someone paid, the, they can never uh, retry, uh, what's his name, O.J. Simpson. They can never retry him. Even if he said I did it, because that would be double jeopardy. Found innocent. Well, Jesus paid the price for my sins and your sins. And he will never charge me with those sins. They will be charged already once and for all in Jesus Christ. So there, there is something that really gets me to come out of myself. Is to remind myself, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And he saved us, and he saved you, and he loves you. So the first thing we wanted to remember is that he touches us. He doesn't just speak to us, but he touches us. He makes himself real to us. Scripture tells me in 1 John 4, 10, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And very simply put, you know, there are times in my life where, I'm sure in your life too, where if you're out of fellowship with the Lord, it's probably because my mind is on the world or my mind is, is not on God, it's on other things. And, and that's when he says, you know, well, if you confess, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and just bring me back Amen. into that touch that I need. The second point I want to make is listening to him concerning our love towards him. We listen to him, listen to my son Jesus said, I mean the father said, and so I want to take that to heart. Uh, I want to listen to him when he explains something through the word about maybe my first love towards him as getting a little cold. And the stories in Revelation chapter 2 verse 3 through 5, and it's the story of Ephesus, you remember that one. And he brings, um, he commends them, and then he, he also um, corrects them. And any father who loves his child will always commend them, but will correct them where it needs to be. Isn't that true, amen? And if we don't get corrected, or if we don't correct our children, you really don't love them. Uh, you're, you're just thinking somehow it's going to work out. Correction is good, because it's done in love, and you know it's the best for them. So Jesus wants us to love him with all our heart. And so the church of Ephesus, one of the seven churches... Uh, he told them, he commended them, hey, I know you got your doctrine right, you, you, you correct those who are speaking evil, and, and he went on and he just said, everything is right on target. But, he says, he says, you have perseverance, you enjoy my name's sake, and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you left your first love. Therefore, there are three R's here. Remember where you have fallen, repent, and redo the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So remember, you know, when I talk to people who maybe are having marital issues, I bring them all. Was it always like this? No. Well, what was it that you liked about him or her? Well, I, I, I love the way they um, sang. I love the way they opened the door for me. I... I loved the, the, the tenderness. They paid attention to me. I felt important around that person. I loved that person because they, they told bad jokes and I only laughed at them. And, but there, there's something that we always remember. And so Jesus is saying, remember what it was first like when you and I were walking close. When you first came to me and you were so excited. And you loved me and you 
picked up your hands and you told everyone about me. You didn't care who it was. You, you were excited, a little coarse at times, but you were excited. And he said, remember where you had fallen. You're no longer there. The, the flame is there, but it's flickering. And then he says to repent. In other words, take ownership of it. So I looked in my heart and said, you know what? It's not her fault. It's not his fault. It's my fault. I let it creep in and I let it creep out, whatever it may be. My eyes were wandering where they shouldn't have been. I gave my emotions to someone on the job where I shouldn't have. I spent more time with that woman or with that guy. Oh, I didn't know fornicate. I didn't know. But, you know, there were things I felt more comfortable. No, you have limits. You can't. And then your heart gets taken away from your wife, from your true life, or from your husband, however it may be. So we have to guard our emotions. And that goes to say, even if you're single in the world, you know, my emotion, man, I just love that house, or that car. Well, man, he's got it made. Look at all the cash he's got. You ever see that Geico commercial? The guy's got all these dollar bills on him, he's driving around, and floating all over him, he's, man, I wish I had that, you know. And what happens is your, your heart drifts away from the eternity. This money, it's paper. You got any extra? Just kidding. <laughs> in the end, it just goes. What really matters is storing up treasures in heaven. And God provides for us. He's not saying you need to live with the Amish and, and you know, not have anything. And, and, but he's saying, you know, seek first my kingdom. And all these things will be added. And we do that by not letting our emotions get caught up in making a million dollars and feeling that's very satisfied. But keeping our hearts. So I remember what it once was, Lord. And I repent and take responsibility for it. And now I redo <clears throat> the deeds I first did. And that might be, uh, if it's in a natural sense, if you have a, a friend or a woman, you pay more attention. You make more time for that person. You... you Listen more. You, you call them more. He who wants friends must make himself friendly. And so it's like that with the Lord too. Uh, we do the deeds you first did, you know. Um, you spent more time in the Bible at first. It was like, wow, this is it. You're on a train. You'd read the Bible. You'd have trash. You, you, you just called to him more often and you sang to him more often. And that's what it means when it says we do. That's how it rekindles. Case closed. You just got to do it. The second thing is, <clears throat> uh, that was the second one. The third one, you know, I think it was last week, I lost all my notes. I didn't have nothing. Um, but it was still in here and still in here. But you're okay, I got <laughs> The third one is, listen to him. Concerning control. Hmm. Listen to him concerning control. The Bible tells me in Hebrews 12 too that fixing our eyes on him, that is Jesus, he's the author and the perfect of our faith. Philippians tells me this, 1.6, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began that good work in you, he will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. It's his work. We're just here thanking him for what he's doing in our lives. Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. There's a part of responsibility and there's a part of God in there too. But learning to 
give others to Him is so important. You might have someone you love, and you're trying to be the Holy Spirit to them. And you're, 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 you're trying to control their faith. You don't want them to fall, and that's a good thing. But you can also get a fixation on that. And you lose your love for the Lord. You, that's who you are about now all of a sudden. And Jesus gave a word like that to Peter. In John chapter 21, verses 20 and 22, after the resurrection, Jesus was walking with Peter, and he told Peter how he was going to die and glorify God. But Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And the one also who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Who, who is that person? That's John, who was sitting at the table and Jesus leaned on his chest. And so Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now here is John Young. Peter and Jesus are walking hand in hand, like, you know, like they got something all of a sudden. John is, you know, like your little brother 10 yards away following after you, you know. And, and Peter turns around and says, well, what about him? And here's what the Lord said. Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I like that word. Because we can start getting Holy Spirit controlling and Jesus says, you never mind him. You never mind him. Well, what about him? He's, he, he did, he's, she's not doing this, or he's not doing this. Or, he says, never mind that. You follow me. And I love that, because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's not like I'm indifferent, or I don't care about them, or, you know, hey, later for him, I got mine. <laughs> but, but rather, you know, you understand it comes a point where you can't be God. But you can pray for them. And you can say, God, they're in your hands. I give it to you because I just don't have the power. Amen. And if we don't come to that conclusion, you become neurotic. You, you're, you're, you're all over the place. You, uh, you know, you're worrying. You're staying up at night. And, and, and your walk with the Lord becomes a sham because you're, you're so consumed in it. So listen to him. Listen to Jesus when he told Peter this. Let's apply it to our own lives. If there are situations in your life where that's occurred. The next point that we want to listen to him is concerning the priority of his word in my life. Listen to him concerning the priority of his word. You know, this morning I mentioned, you know, I am so happy that we have this word. You know, in, in, during the week we were going through the book of Exodus and, and Moses, when he went up on the mountain... And he got the, the word of the Lord. He wrote it all down. And I'm so grateful he did. Because if he didn't write it down, you know what the media would do with it. They would twist this thing to say things you couldn't believe. Because they do that. They try to do that now. But we have the written word of God. It's the inspired word of God. People died for this. People are still dying in other countries. This is, this is so precious, folks. It really, really is. Hide thy word in our heart that you might not sin against him. His word is an instruction. His word is alive. And when we say, Lord, speak to me, he will speak to you. But many times it's like a minor. You have to stay in it and dig a little bit. And, oh, God, I'll give you five minutes if I don't hear nothing. Oh, I it doesn't work that way. Because you know what he's doing in the process? 
He wants to speak to you, and he'll never, like a child, you'll never tell that child to give you 40 push-ups. Unless you're someone like Brian or something like that, you know. But you'll, you'll trust, well, he can give me five. And so, when you're seeking the Lord, the Lord's not going to say, hey, you need to stay here for five hours to get a hold of me. <laughs> but, he, but he might say, hang out for an hour. Stay in the Word for an hour. I'll speak to you. And you know, in the process of all of that, you know what's going on. He, he's, I'm dying to self. Amen. See? And that's the way you hear from the Lord. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. And so my, my self-will and stuff like that, my surrendering. God, I'm out of touch. Surrender. It's hard to do that. But he's in the process of helping us do that. And there's such a freedom. Once you learn that this is the way to go, it's not about me, my rights. It's about me learning to give up my rights and let the Lord speak and control me. So, the Lord wants us to have a priority in His Word. And the story is in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and you might be familiar with it. It's about Martha and Mary. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? You get that way sometimes. I know uh, as, as, as pastors, you know, we put on different hats at different times and, and you're saying, Lord, you know, I'll go to help, but no one's helping. Why is this going on? So then I start eliminating people. You, you don't come back. You, you don't come back. And, oh, we don't do that. <laughs> so what do we do? We get less distracted. We say, Lord, what's the most important thing? It's your word. If the music is not working, so be it. If people aren't showing up in time, yeah, it hurts, but so be it. The most important thing, Lord, and I'm not going to get distracted from that, is sitting at your feet, listening to the word. So, or speaking of it. So Martha, she was, she was uptight. And uh, she, says, she then says, uh, tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So he commended Mary. He's seen all the stuff that was getting done for him, but he was more impressed with just Mary sitting there and not worrying about all the other stuff. And you know, I, I mentioned this to, to the church here a couple of weeks ago. When you come into church and you're preparing, it's good to prepare. But if you get so hung up on being prepared, oh, I need to look right, I need this, I need that, and, and the children and this and that, and all of a sudden... I need to put the oven on. You're timing everything to the T. You're so distracted with getting ready to come to church that you, you miss out. Your mind is blown. You come into church and, and you're like, ah, 
How do you praise the Lord? It's because you're so distracted with so many other things that you're just blown out of the water. So I say, get rid of the stuff that, that's sinking the ship. Throw it out. Don't worry about it. I'll be there to catch it. Just take this. Throw it away. If it's something that you, you know is going to keep you from being free to love the Lord, don't be distracted. Now Mary and Martha were sisters. And Martha's intentions were really very good. I, I don't condone just saying all I need is my Bible and forget about anything else. That's not how it works. Martha's are needed. We need responsible people to take care of the Lord's house. We need responsible people to, to sing or to play or to worship or to, to be a part of the body of Christ. We need that. Um, Brian, Pastor Brian complimented everyone who was helping out for the picnic. And that, that's a blessing. He meant that. That was from the heart. Because it doesn't happen if everyone says, someone will do it. Well, who's the someone? And all of a sudden, no one's there. So, <clears throat> there are needs for the Marthas, without a doubt. But there's a balance. You have to know when you're becoming so uptight in doing it. When that barometer goes off and I feel myself, ah, it's time to back off and say, okay, Lord, you want my heart, you want my attitude. And if I'm so frustrated that I'm sticking up the room with my attitude, it's time to let go of some stuff and just say, Jesus, it's just you. Amen? Amen. Psalm 131, verse 1 and 2, King David, who had many responsibilities, being a king, of course, he was a warrior, uh, he was a lover of God, all of the beautiful psalms, most of them he wrote, he took time, he, he learned at a young age to wait on the Lord and to sing unto the Lord, and psalms are songs. Um, most, as I mentioned, were written by, by King David, some through his pain, some from being on the run from Saul, and others just as being the king over a period of time. And when you read the Psalms, you say, man, what a heart. He wasn't trying to be a slick poet. He wasn't just trying to rhyme words and make a picture that looked good. This was his heart. He had a heart for God like, like I've never seen. What a love he had for the Lord. And isn't that what the Lord said when he fired Saul? I'm looking for a man after my own heart. And David was the man after God's heart. That's who I want to be. Can I get an amen to that? I want to be a man after God's heart or a woman after God's heart. And um, David wrote this Psalm 131, verse 1 and 2. He says, uh, Oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. Nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. King David, who had so much on his plate, learned to be like a weaned child who just got fed. You mothers know that. 
child, you know, they'll cry, they'll eventually, but then once that baby gets fed, you know, they're resting, they're there like a lean child. And David said that I'm not going to involve myself in matters too great or too difficult for me. I'm just going to rest in you, Lord, like a wean child. So we could learn to do responsibility as a Martha, as a King David who had so much responsibilities. But he also learned to be a Mary as well. He learned to, to be fed with the Spirit of God by reading the Word of God and sitting at His feet and not trying to do more than the grace that God has allowed you to do. He gives us grace. And if you don't have the grace, maybe you're trying too hard and it's in your flesh. And you just need to say, I need the grace, Lord. If this is you, if not, I'm just going to stay in love with you. In closing, 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3 Peter said this, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. You know, you taste that milk, amazing grace. You taste the sweetness of God touching you. You taste it, and he now encourages us long for it. Don't lose your appetite for the Word of God. Don't lose or leave your first love. It just drifts a little at a time without you making a a willful decision to leave the Lord. It goes that way. But we can reverse it because the Lord has shown us. He commends you. He says you're doing good. But maybe you're too involved in, in, in this world or making things happen. Maybe it's just time to sit at my feet a little bit like a child and, and be a Mary and, and let me minister to you and, and let me speak to you and let me touch you. And I'm all for evangelism. I'm all for telling others about Christ. And that is the last point that Jesus made before <clears throat> He ascended into heaven in Matthew 28. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of time. And so I I want to listen to Jesus. Not perfect. Nobody is. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm going to say, Lord, I don't have it. Give it to me. But he does tell us, make disciples of all people. You'll make a disciple of someone when you come to church and you say, Lord, let me touch someone because you touched everyone. And they need a touch. Don't wait for heaven to touch them. You have Jesus you touch them. Amen. Don't wait for someone to be an evangelist to tell someone on your job about the love of Christ. You tell them. Plant a seed. See what the Lord does. Watch Him work in your life. 